Welcome to the Not So Average Joe podcast. Today I get a chat with Daniel Koval, who is a U.S. national record holder for the sport of free diving. Let's get into it. You hold some titles. Maybe you can kind of tell me. You're, you're a free diver. Yeah. Um, so you, you like to play in the water. <laughs> yeah. I've been playing in the water since I was 12 years old, really. Uh, well, I got into free diving, spearfishing when I was 12 years old. But yeah, since a little kid, uh, my brother, he's also a surfer and bodyboarder and stuff like that. We grew up doing that. So I naturally sort of followed my brother and did whatever he did. So okay. uh, we've been swimming since we were little kids. My uh, my aunt, she was actually an Olympic diver. So oh, really? my grandparents, they have like a really nice swimming pool with an Olympic diving board and stuff. So we like were, we grew up And where'd up you grow up? In uh, Southern California, like Orange County area. Okay. You have a lot of brothers and sisters, or just the older brother? I have one brother, one sister, then one half-brother, and one half-sister. Okay, there you go. So, yeah. That's awesome. So when you were 12, you started getting into the free diving? Yeah, my dad, he uh, got me, like, a pole spear for Christmas one okay. year. And you give a little kid something to shoot things with. <laughs> I'm trying to do <laughs> it's it. So, done. Yeah, that's how I uh, started, and... I started diving in Laguna Beach area. Okay. That was it wasn't a preserve back then, and so uh, you could just go play. Yeah, it's a beautiful place actually. It's one of my favorite places even to this day to go out and dive. Because, and you've dived all over the world. Yeah, uh, Laguna Beach has amazing kelp forests, or when the kelp is there, I don't know. Lately, it hasn't been there. Yeah. So, um, but. Yeah, when you get a good day with like 30 to 40 foot visibility, that's a good day for California. And uh, the kelp forests are just, you know, beautiful. It's like swimming through an underwater forest. Dude, that sounds awesome. So, so why don't you describe real quickly, just for everybody listening, what is free diving? I think most people have heard of like scuba diving, but what's free yeah. diving? So free diving is the most natural form of diving to me. Uh, uh, like scuba diving, it's you breathing out of a hose, right? Free diving, it's us holding our breath and trying to dive as deep as possible. But that's not really what free diving is limited to. It's also something where you can just explore the water endlessly. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't have to decompress really uh, that much for free diving. And, I mean, you can be out in the water for six to eight hours a day just exploring uh that's really what attracts me the most to freediving whether it's spearfishing underwater photography or you know just going out and just exploring the yeah. underwater world marine life whales dolphins anything like you just never know what you're going to see when you're out in the ocean so uh that's what really attracts me to, to freediving as a sport that's cool. So you started pretty young, getting into spear fishing, free diving in California. You ended up moving to Hawaii, and is that when you got into it really deep, or how did how did you? What made the transition from just like a hobby and then like something you dive really into? Yeah, no, I uh, was just spear fishing actually for a very long time. Uh, it wasn't only until the last five years that I actually got into competitive freediving. And how old are you now? Uh, I'm 32. 32, So okay. I actually moved to Hawaii uh, when I was 19 years old, oh. actually on my 19th birthday. Oh, really? Uh, with $1,000 in my pocket, and I said, 
you know, fuck it, I'm getting I'm going, going to Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> I'm sick of California. You know, I moved to Hawaii for diving. Okay. So uh, to pursue a career in diving, and I ended up getting a job here. My first job was I was working at Pacific Beach Hotel. They have this big aquarium there. I was one of the scuba divers in that aquarium. Oh, cool. And I would free dive in the aquarium when no one was looking. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, play around in there. So uh, I always had this passion for spearfishing. And, uh, you know, basically once I got too good for spearfishing, basically, or I was diving, shooting fish at 50, 40, 40, 50 meters, uh-huh. you know, it's like, what, what's left after that? You like, might as well start. What else can I do? Yeah, see how deep I can dive. So that's when I started making the transition into uh, competitive freediving. But that didn't come until I was, uh, yeah, I was like 26 years old, 27. Cool. So you've been actually working as a diver of one sort or another for since you moved to Hawaii? Yeah, so I've been working as a scuba diver since I was ni- 19, and then I... But most of it was scuba then, like yeah, the tanks and I actually stuff. hadn't taken a, a freediving course yet, so... Okay. Uh, the f- now, you haven't taken one. Now, you, you teach them, you train them, you run one of the biggest programs of it, right? Yeah, so I've been teaching freediving now for 10 years, so... Um, yeah, I got certified as a freediver when I was around 22 years old. Cool. And then uh, I decided just to, like, take all the courses and try and become an instructor because I realized freediving is way better than trying to become a scuba diving instructor. Okay. So I would much rather teach freediving. And so I've been teaching freediving full-time for, yeah, the past 10 years. That's great. And so what's the name of uh, your company that does the courses it's and everything? Deep Freediving Instruction. So my website's deepfreediving.com. My Instagram is deepfreediving. Uh, that's sort of everything. That's your brand, Deep that's, Freediving. That, that's the brand, yeah. Cool. Awesome. So. so you've been teaching that a lot. So if, if a random person off the street says, dude, I want to learn to swim deep and go see what the ocean's like without the tank and all mm-hmm. the gear and all that, you know, weighing me down... They can just take your course and, and start to learn that world? Yeah, so I've taught people who, like, barely even swim. Really? <laughs> they end up maxing out my course. Uh, you just, I actually sometimes like getting people with no experience at all because it's like a, a fresh person. I get to mold them and make them the freediver I want them to be. Yeah. Compared to someone who's been spearfishing for 10 years and has all these bad habits yeah. and stuff, then you got to fix the bad habits and sure. it's like, you know, you got to rebuild someone. So yeah. uh, sometimes it's better just to get someone off the street with no experience at all. And, you know, if you have an open mind, uh, you never know what you're going to uh, um, do during the course. I mean, I've had people just come off the street, no experience, hold their breath for three or four minutes, dive to 20 meters super easily. So that's uh, rad. Yeah. So your course is what typically two days long? Or? Uh, my level one courses. So I teach all the courses for FI Free Dive Instructors International. They're the education system that I oh, teach okay. for. So the person who trained me is Martin Stepanik. He's a 13-time world record holder and the first man to dive over 400 feet on a constant weight dive. Uh, so I got trained by yeah one of the best free divers this world's ever that seen. Helps, so right? That helps, That helps a lot. And um, so he's the one who made me an instructor, and I teach his 
uh, education system. He uh, specializes in physiology, so uh, he has a very scientific background, okay. in, and his style of teaching is very scientific, and everything makes sense. So this is why I like teaching his. Well, because so much goes into it, like. It's more than just, oh, hold your breath and dive deep as fast as you can. You know, it's like right. there's, like you said, the physiology, there's a science behind it where you make sure you're not hurting yourself. You're not putting yourself in too bad a danger. I mean, you obviously know way more about it than I. Just a little bit, I was looking into it. It's just like, man, there's a lot that goes in to really maximize the sport, you know? Yeah, if if you think about it, I'm diving around 108 meters, 110 meters. And how deep, How many feet is that? So like that's like uh, 110 meters is my deepest dive in training. That's 360 feet. 360 yeah. feet. So my lungs are com- being compressed to one-twelfth the size. So they're literally the size of golf balls at that depth. So you have to be So the pressure flexible. just smashes them into be the size of a golf ball yeah. that deep. Mm-hmm. I feel like you'd have no breath left in them at that point. No, yeah, you're way beyond your residual volume, so there's no real air in my lungs. It's probably more fluid, uh, which protects my lungs, actually. Uh, We get plasma fills when we go really deep, and this is actually protecting the lungs from damage. So this happens, you know, on really deep dives beyond residual volume, and it's part of the mammalian diving reflex. Is there, like, long-term damage that can occur from doing diving like this? Or does there your body, like, if, recoup easily? Yeah, there is if you get squeezed. So if you injure your lungs, so if you don't have as good of a mammalian diving reflex or you're not flexible enough to handle the depth, um, instead of you getting a plasma fill, you can get squeezed, which is you can pop squeeze. capillaries in your respiratory system or blood starts, you know, going into your lungs um so this is pretty much our real injury in freediving is getting squeezed so Hmm. uh it's taken me several years for my lungs and my body to actually adapt to these uh pressures um i see people try and progress too fast maybe try and progress to 100 meters uh in a couple of years and i see them always uh getting squeezed spitting up blood and stuff like this so uh this is one of the most dangerous things in freediving and uh at what depth is that a concern like like at you know 40 50 60 feet that's not even really a thing that can happen right well there's uh different parts of our respiratory system so there's the trachea the bronchi the lungs um and you can get squeezed in all these different areas you can get squeezed in the trachea you can get squeezed in the bronchi and get squeezed in the lungs usually the shallower around the shallowest you can get squeezed in the trachea is usually around 25 to 30 meters so okay. and that's by that's lifting like, your head that's up that's almost at 100 depth. feet though right yeah okay well so and that's by lifting your head up at depth so there's mm. a lot of technique that goes into free diving and with improper technique yeah you're going to hurt yourself um and that's what you guys teach, is teach people how to do that properly so, and how to hold their breath longer and yeah. how to dive deeper. That's cool. So so let's talk a little bit about your accomplishments in it, and then we'll go through kind of your mindset of how you got there. Okay. So you've recently, just, uh, I mean, just over a year ago, I guess now, set a world record or a U.S. national record, right? Yeah, in 2018, I set uh, the U.S. national record. Actually, it's the deepest U.S. US national record that we have. It's uh, uh, our constant weight record with the monofin. So 
Yeah, I don't know why I went for the deepest record for my first record. Oh, it was the first one. And so, so tell us about it. So how deep was it? So it was 102 meters constant weight with the monofin. So the record uh, was 101 meters before, so I just broke it. You, by 102, meter. there you go. And you're like, oh, let's do one more meter. That's usually how these records go. You only break it by one, one Well, meter. I jump higher than you have to, so, right? Yeah. So, so there's different disciplines then of mm-hmm. of free diving. Like there's, you know, the what's it called, the free for all or the non. There's free immersion. Okay. Um, that's pulling down the line, pulling back up the line. Like where there's so. actually like a machine or something like helping you go oh, down. That's what we call no limits. No limits. So okay. yeah, basically you strap yourself in a split in a sled and it and just takes you down, pulls you down to the you depths of the ocean. Lift balloon back. That's up obviously not supernatural, um, but that's where they get like the deepest, deepest. Obviously, yeah. just because of logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the kind that you do. What was the term you used for it? Constant weight. Constant weight. What does that mean? It means whatever weight you're diving down with, you have to bring back up. Okay. So uh, you can't drop weights. You know, it's all on your own power, which is now the most recognized form of free diving. So because uh, it's the most natural, that's what you do if you were spear fishing. That's what you do exactly. if you're exploring. It's yeah. not artificial just to go deep. It's it's going deep in a way that's actually yeah. like applicable almost. No one really actually competes in uh, no limits diving anymore. Okay. So, uh, just because it's too dangerous, or um, it's just for competition's sake. It just isn't like logistically, okay. You know, able to run a real competition with many athletes yeah. doing no limits dives. I mean, uh, when people d- were doing these world records. It would take them a week to do these records. They would out be out there every day and just right. trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper to break the world record. So that's just one person. You spend a whole week all focus on them. Yeah. So uh, you can't run a, a real competition with many athletes like that. So okay. I think that's where it's sort of switch and you know free diving's growing as a sport it's growing exponentially uh, it's insane right now in asia how many people i just heard that uh there were more free diving certifications given out in asia than there were scuba certifications really uh, or actually in korea i'm not in sure korea. about all of asia but yeah definitely in korea that's what's it's really picking up and mm-hmm. the sport is kind of you're more not just in the, the outer limits of it, the sport part of it, like you said, which is really competitive. That's what you focus on. Yeah. And that's what you've been setting records in. So you say monofin. That's where it's like your feet aren't split. You yeah, actually it's have like, like a the, dolphin tail type fin. Like a merman? <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, like I don't, dolphin. I really, don't I really said like dolphin, that not mermaid. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, uh, it's the monofin. I love the monofin. It's really fast. Okay. Um, so, uh, and you go really deep. I mean, uh, my dives with the monofin are much faster than any other discipline that I do, and okay. I'm going, so it's easier to go deeper for me with the monofin. So how fast did you get down to that depth? So I travel at just a little bit over a meter per second. It's like a meter point one or point two per second. So it took you so. like, what, like a minute? So it, it takes me, yeah, right around a minute and a half. Uh, my total dive time for... Uh, my, you know, uh, 110 constant meter uh, or constant weight dive is around three minutes, like 255. So it's basically a minute and a half down, a minute and a half back up. 
And so when you're holding your breath for like over three minutes, that sounds like a long time. But then when you realize the depth that you're at, you could hold, like, how long could you hold your breath just like on land, like without any of the depth and the pressure and stuff like that? Because it's totally different, right? I don't do much static apnea, but my current, like, uh, you know, my personal record is uh, six and a half minutes for uh, max static. Because you need to be able to hold your breath a lot longer above surface to be able to have the the capacity to have it all concentrated in the pressure because that uses way more oxygen and then when you're using the energy right yeah i don't think uh your max static breath hold has any correlation to how deep you should be diving Um, i i think but how long you could be in the water uh yeah i think they're sort of two separate things really um I don't know. Maybe I've just haven't done a static. Uh, I don't really train static that much. I train yeah. a lot of deep diving, just because static uh, apnea—that's just holding your breath face down in water for as long as you can. Yeah, it's really boring. Yeah, it's really <laughs> miserable. You're just sitting through a lot of contractions the whole time, so it's not very fun for me. So that's probably why my breath hold hasn't progressed. But most of the divers who are diving around my depth, they have like eight minutes static. So oh, I really? consider my <laughs> That's funny. Of, uh, not too good. But when you're actually having fun, you're in the water, then it's real to yeah. you. So like a rule of thumb we have is take your max static time cut in half, and that's your working tum- time underwater. But I've okay. done like four-minute dives and stuff. so my. But that's because you just don't push the static. You're just yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So, so that's really deep. That's crazy. Were you scared? Were, is there any part of you that was like, you I could get be. hurt? Like, what's going to happen here? Well, that's the thing. Uh, you know, f- we all have fear, right? Um, it's scary to dive that depth and not be scared of it, right? Um, you just don't know what's down there. That's, yeah. that's the thing. So it is natural to be scared of that depth, It's, um, but you can't really think about it on your dives like you said you were a rock climber right Mm -hmm. it's like when you have a a big pitch you need to go up right yeah you know you can't be scared of it you just gotta focus on technique and really that's what's gonna get you there you hook in and you know you'll be fine so yeah you may fall a little bit but it's not that bad like uh you know on these deep dives everything's so automatic um I we just trained so hard. I've done these dives thousands of times, so everything's just automatic, and we rely on that. Yeah. So what what makes you want to push the limit? I was talking to my wife about this, and she's like, "Why why do people do these things where it's like we always are just pushing the limit? Like you know, 102, no, 103 meters, 104, like even to the point of risking our safety, like." What do you think uh, I never, goes through someone's head to do that? To me, I never risk my safety. Uh, to me, safety is absolutely the most important thing in freediving. And okay. if I didn't feel confident in the depth that I was diving, I wouldn't d- try and dive those depths. So cool. uh, I've only blacked out. You know, It's unfortunate, but all my blackouts have been on the first day of a competition. Really? Do you think it's nerves or something? It is totally, yeah. I mean... Uh, La- or actually, during my first national record that I set, uh, that 102-meter dive, uh, on the first day of the competition, it was at Vertical Blue and Dean's Blue Hole. It's uh, 
pretty much the biggest competition of the year. It's invite only for the top 10 free divers That's in, the, in Bahamas, the world. Right? Yeah. And it's in Dean's Blue Hole. So it's this uh, a blue hole that's 200 meters deep. You pretty much just walk off sand, and it's this hole that just drops out oh, wow. 200 meters. It's amazing. Well, one of my favorite places to dive. But the first day of the competition, uh, something new that they were doing this that year was they were checking your heart rate and O2 saturation before your dives. I had never done this. I usually just wake up, go out, dive. So yeah. they measured my heart rate, and they're like, man, your heart rate's pretty high this morning. It's about 120 beats per minute. And you're like, it is? And it gets you all psyched out. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, yeah. And they're like, is that normal for you? I'm like, I don't know. I've never checked my heart rate before I go out and dive. I just go out and dive. I'm like, and the, uh, the doctor was like, uh yeah, it must just be nerves. It's normal. It's okay. Like, trying to talk me <laughs> into, you're fine. And uh, sure enough, I, I blacked out on that dive just a meter below the surface. I've never blacked out deeper than a meter below the surface. Oh, so you're really just, like, like three feet in, a me- like a meter below the surface? Like, yeah, coming up on my dive. So, oh, like, I, I do end. my whole dive, and then oh, my bro. blackout's just a meter below the surface. So That's I'm like, lucky. Yeah, I'm, I'm always super close to making all my dives. So I What felt, led to the blackout? Like, walk us through that. Is that, like, well, do you feel it coming on, and it's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Or do you not even realize it's going to happen? Well, yeah. So the doctor, he registered my heart rate at 120 beats Per minute so that's mm-hmm. really high yeah so with your heart rate much higher you know you're burning more oxygen so uh, I did my whole warm-up dives and everything went according to plan I had a really nice dive I went to 102 meters grabbed the tag turn around back up but uh, I uh, just I mean when you black out um, it's sort of a strange feeling yeah it's almost like you start dreaming really early in your dive like okay. uh while you're still awake like dreaming yeah everything starts getting fuzzy um one of the things we get uh, when we get low on oxygen is visual disturbances so uh normally how they work is you start seeing bright flashes of light you get this tunnel vision that starts closing in then everything goes black and white and the tunnel shuts down on and you black out that's normally how visual disturbances work but when you're in vertical blue or in Dean's blue hole, uh, you're in a tunnel. So you, you yeah, yeah, this feels normal. <laughs> oh, and you're coming up, and things are starting to get light from the sun and the water. You're like, yeah, this looks yeah. Normal. So actually, on that dive around 60 meters, I I have a lamp on my head or a light on my head that just shines on the line, so uh-huh. I can see the line because beyond 60 meters, it's black. You can't see anything. You can't see the, your hand in front of your face. Really? So you need a light on top of your head just to see the line in front of your face because wow. it's just pitch black down there. So I had this light on my head, and I you know, made my dive, and on my way back up around 60 meters, I thought my light went out. Uh, well, it didn't actually went, go out. My eyes, they just lost vision, and I, I uh, started seeing black and white, and I didn't notice the tunnel uh, because I'm in a tunnel, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then everything started getting smaller, and it just seemed like the, the surface was getting further and further away, and the tunnel was closing in on me, and then all of a sudden, 
I uh, ended up blacking out, yeah, just a meter below the surface. The safety divers did a great job. They rescued me, and, uh, you know, I was only blacked out for a few seconds, and I came back, too. So were you, like, freaking out at all as this is happening, or you're just so kind of out of it that you don't even realize that it's, like, it's not even everything clear happens. enough to scare you or anything? Yeah, everything happens so fast because of the rapid change in partial pressure. So I don't really notice it too much, actually. It wasn't until after the dive that I actually started thinking about all the things that went on in the dive. Yeah, the, the stuff that you just described, you weren't realizing it all at the moment. Yeah, I was like, why did my light just go out? That's yeah. all I was thinking, and, like, I couldn't focus on anything else. I'm just like, my light should be on. I just changed my battery, so I totally lost all focus of my dive. So uh, that dive happened. And, it, you know, at, and this is before or after you set the record? This is before. This first day of the competition. Jeez. So, and this is my first time at Vertical Blue. I'm literally diving against the best freedivers in the world. Dang. So, uh, yeah, my heart rate was pounding. So, I like... Great first impression. Pass out yeah. the first dive. <laughs> like, yes. So, I, uh, it's mandatory to take a day off, mm. you, know, you know, at that time when you black out. Now rules are changing and anything and everything, uh, where like if you black out, they'll actually disqualify you from the whole competition. Oh wow! Uh, to try and make things safer and try not to, uh, uh, you know, we don't want blackouts in our sport anymore. Um, but yeah, so I had a day off, had a nice rest. Uh, the third day of the competition, came back, boom, did the record. And you win, you, you, you win the, the whole competition? No, no, no. I just got the U.S. national record. Oh, okay. So, so the competition wasn't just a U.S. one. Yeah, to me, that was uh, most important. I'm literally competing against the best freedivers in the world at Vertical Blue. Alexei Molchanov was there, William Trubridge. So Alexei Molchanov, uh, during that competition... He actually set the world record just an hour before my U.S. national record. Really? So he dove to 130 meters. So all eyes were on him, and no one really cared about me. So I <laughs> sort of just snuck my record in there. You're like, and... yeah, I set the U.S. <laughs> national record, guys. Yeah, no, I was just happy with that. But, yeah, there were a lot of amazing divers wow. there. There were Everyone was diving pretty much over 100 meters there. So, uh, yeah, a lot of deep divers there. So that's the world record for this discipline of diving is 130 meters? Yeah. Right wow. So. so you're just 28 more meters, and then you're there. No big deal. Well, my current national record right now, as I rebroke it, I've set oh, five more again. national records since. Oh, okay. And so my busy. current national record is 108 meters. Oh. So, yeah, I'm uh, slowly picking away just at keep it. Keep getting there. So. You seem like pretty chill. Like, you seem like you do this, like you really have fun with it. Like, you, like, you don't take it too seriously. You're smart. You're careful with it. But, like, you're just like, I don't even know what my heart rate is. I don't know. Like, you just kind of go for it is kind of the feel I'm getting. I don't know. Uh, I've been pretty much diving five to six days a week for the last ten years. So nice. that may tell you how intense my training is. This is my life. This is all I do. I teach freediving for a living. I train freediving during the week. I don't do anything else but freedive. So, uh, now depends. you have a girlfriend? 
Yeah, and she's, she's your dive partner, though, right? Yeah, she's also... Or else an, you would just never see her, it sounds like. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, she's also a U.S. national record holder and dives 80 meters. Oh, okay. Dang, so, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's I trained cool. her. So. Yeah, you take a little bit of that credit, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, she's an amazing diver. And uh, uh, you would never think she was this amazing diver. She actually has worked in the beauty in- industry all her life. And okay. uh, she hasn't really played any other sports. So, uh, but when, you know, it takes a certain person to be a free diver. You have to have a lot of determination and drive as uh, the sport is very difficult and very taxing on the body. So uh, wanting to go out and dive every day and uh, do it consistently and devote your life to it because it really does take your life to devote to the sport. Uh, then yeah, you can become a free, uh, you know, a really amazing freediver. It's pretty much how much time you want to devote to the sport. And sometimes people work other jobs and stuff like that where they can't do the sport. But to reach sport. your level, it really needs to be a consistent. Just thing like any to other just athlete. Naturally, yeah. Can't be something. So how did she? Did you introduce her to free dive, or was she doing it before you met her? So she actually took my level one course. Uh, her friends got into spearfishing, okay. and um, she wanted to go out with them one day or something like that, and so when she went out with them spearfishing for the first time, she like the, it was this whole new world that she had never seen before, yeah. so it was very similar to the way I got into uh, diving, and so she just was like, wow, there's this whole new place that's nice and quiet that I can escape to and and I can go and dive. So this is what attracted her and she ended up taking my level one course and then she took my level two course. And shortly after the level two course, I could see her drive and determination. So uh, we started dating shortly after that level two course and then yeah, the rest is history. She yeah. just uh, she got a special level three course and four and five. <laughs> Actually, I think she took a level three course through Martin, so she wanted to uh, sort of see how Martin taught and the difference uh, between me and him. But uh, uh, at the moment, or at that time, I wasn't teaching the level three course. Uh-huh. Now I teach it. So uh, yeah, she just want to progress and she put all her hard you know she put a lot of hard work and all her effort into it and she had the determination just to want to dive deep and yeah she made it a lifestyle for herself that's cool so obviously you can't speak for her but what what makes you why devote your life to free diving like what is it about it that attracts you you know so strongly yeah so free diving's changed my life in a pretty amazing way um i feel like i owe myself to free diving actually uh like uh when i was living in california and stuff i skateboarded a lot okay um and i was starting getting into trouble sort of hanging mm-hmm. out with the wrong group and uh I what re- kind of trouble i went to jail one time okay. <laughs> stuff like that you know i was only for four days is misdemeanor and stuff so uh, but, you know, I just started doing stupid stuff and 
I, I uh, realized that I didn't want to go that route, so I decided to sort of leave skateboarding. And I was already spearfishing at the time, so I just decided to go out and dive more. And I was escaped to the ocean. Uh, that was my escape from school. I was never really good at school. I actually uh, dropped out of high school, got my GED and stuff like that. As uh, I was like really behind on credits, I switched school halfway okay. uh, in you know uh, my sophomore year. So I was just behind on credits. I would have had to do summer school and be in high school for a lot longer than I wanted to. Yeah. So I uh, decided to drop out, get my GED, and you know I devoted my spare time to going out, spear fish, learn about the ocean and stuff like that. So I, I was very passionate about diving, and uh, I wanted to take this passionate for uh, passion further. So. I actually went to a marine diving technology school in Santa Barbara to try and get more educated uh, in scuba diving because I thought it would help my free diving. I learned a lot about scuba diving, didn't learn too much about free diving, yeah. so I was really turned off by the program. I didn't want to be working off on some oil rig in the middle of the Gulf and underwater welding for just hours. And, yeah. You know, getting bent and sitting in a chamber and stuff like that. That's not what I got into diving for. I got into diving to explore. So and that's why I ended up moving to Hawaii. So uh, this big circle uh, that I'm talking about, it's like yeah. uh, I just love to dive. So, you know, when I was starting to get into trouble and stuff, I um, sought out diving. As an escape for you. Yeah, and it ended up being the best thing in my life now <laughs> i have u.s national records and yeah you know it's really changed my life all in positive ways so uh, i really owe myself to free diving here do so you kind of feel like if you didn't have free diving you who knows you feel like the path be. wouldn't have been as good as it's been yeah so I, i'm glad i found free diving and glad free diving found me and yeah, yeah you just yeah, thankful for it so. that's cool and you know it's Man, when you're in the water, and every, not everybody's obviously been as deep as you are, been in the water as long as you are, but for That's, people who yeah. have been in the water, it really is such an escape because just your senses are different. Like you said, the sound, you know, the sounds of the world, it's just quieter, it's yeah. calmer. Even when if you're diving with friends or scuba diving, like, you can't talk to each other. You know, yeah. there's no voices, no one's yelling. Like, it's it's such a peaceful place, you know, my yeah. wife and I, we scuba dive a little bit, and she'll say she feels like, not that she's ever been to space, but it's like what she imagines being in outer space would be like. Mm. Just like you're floating, you can fly. It's just, it's like a whole different world. Absolutely. So uh, to me, that's where I find myself most closest to nature is uh, in the water. And, you know, free diving's not always about diving deep. I mean, it's yeah. just about exploring. Whether it's exploring yourself, um, that's what I think, deep diving is is it's only exploration and it's in yourself hmm. um because you have to get through barriers in yourself to, in order to dive deeper and deeper that's all i think of meters is just barriers in myself the more barriers you release inside yourself the deeper you're going to dive so wait, um, let's dive into that a dive let's get okay. to dig into that a little bit you say finding the barriers in yourself. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Well, 
like uh, you were talking about fear or if you're scared Mm -hmm. or something to progress deeper and stuff like that. Um, You can't be. You have to uh, go through these barriers in your mindset or uh, something like that or in your life, whatever is holding you back from progressing. Uh, And when you go through these barriers, you gain not only progress in life, but you're going to progress in yourself and you're going to progress into uh, deeper depths is what I believe. That's cool. So you kind of feel like as you're able to break those barriers of the mental blocks that stop you from driving as deep and as you break through those, you can go deeper, you can do more. And you feel like that interprets into out of the water as well just with your life goals and things like man if i can do that thing i didn't think i could do then maybe i can actually do this and this and this and all these other aspects of anything is possible so i never thought in a million years i would be diving over 100 meters now i can do it you you tell me tomorrow i'll go down and dive 100 meters let's go (laughs) so it's that's uh, cool yeah and uh you know it's changed my entire life like uh uh, we all have fears. Uh, there was this one spot in my freediving career, right around 55 meters, where I wanted so bad to get to 60 meters. However, every time I would try to approach 60 meters, which was like this amazing depth, you know, it's my it's 200 feet. 200 so uh, for everyone, that's like a really big, amazing goal to dive over t- 200 feet. Yeah. So. Um, this was a big goal for me, but this is also where I spent pretty much a year of my diving career is just diving nonstop. You know, I would do three, four, four dives to 55, 58 meters in one session. And it just never seemed like I could cross over that, you know, 60 meter mark. Yeah, I was just out of trying reach. so hard, you know, I was like, yeah, I was like doing you know, four or five 55 meter dives a day and stuff like that, just trying to make it. And every single time I would try and push deeper and deeper, I would lock up on my equalization and I wouldn't be able to progress in depth. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I went to Big Island for three weeks just to figure out how to dive over 60 meters. I spent three weeks every single day diving as hard as I could I could not cross over that 60 meter mark it wasn't until the last day that I was just like screw it I'm so over trying to progress obviously it's not going to happen I'm leaving my watch at home I don't really care about how deep I'm diving I just want to go out and do a dive for myself boom did a dive over 60 meters How'd you, how do you know it's over 60 meters if you never watch? Because I set the line to like over 65. So when you say set the line, what does that mean? There's so, like a like an actual like a string, like a line in the yeah, water? Yeah, so I set the line to 65 meters in case I had a good dive or something like that. I was just doing that, which you shouldn't normally do. You should normally set it to the depth that you want to dive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was fully comfortable with that depth. And I knew this was just a barrier inside me. So, so when you get to the bottom, you see like there's like a flag or something at the bottom of the There's line? a weight at the bottom. Oh, okay. I cannot go any deeper than the weight. I'm tied into the line with a lanyard. Basically, it's a carabiner that runs freely down the line and a three-foot cable to a wrist strap. So I'm oh. attached to the line. So it'll stop you from going further. Exactly. And that's like a safety measure. Yeah, I'm 
That's cool. And went to the bottom. So it's just all in my mind that I was trying to push myself too hard instead of just relaxing and enjoying my dive. So once I learned how to enjoy my dive and let all the tension go inside my body, boom, 65. It's interesting because you you had to accept Accept failure before you could accomplish it. Because you're like, fine, I don't care. I even said, like, I'm not going to hit it. Okay. Like, you're like, I'm finally okay with, you know, failure at this moment, not accomplishing what I was setting out to, and that freed yourself to succeed. Yeah. That's interesting. I I love failure, uh, actually. You love failure. What do you mean by that? Um, Failing means there's always a reason to keep going. Okay. And to progress. Um, And you learn a lot from failure. I mean... uh, if you didn't fail at anything in your life, you would never learn anything. Yeah. So uh, failure to me is just a learning tool. When I fail at a dive, it's like, oh, I failed. I, I have something more to learn. So uh, to me, I, I use this. So I actually uh, don't mind failure, actually, on my dives. I've failed a lot. I've blacked out on dives. I've uh, you know, turned early on a lot of dives, so I, I failed a lot, and it's hard for people to actually show this weakness or yeah. show the side of themselves, and you can't hide it when you're in a free diving competition, yeah. and there's a drone, this dive eye that's filming your whole dive all the way down. Like, of course, you don't want to fail, uh, fail on your dive, you don't want to turn early, but sometimes, uh, you know, it happens, and uh, you know, it just means you have more to learn. So I, I just see it as uh, something, you know, cool. I yeah, I accept failure. I I don't mind it. So that's cool. That's what keeps me going. I think that's a really good perspective. I think if more people had that, they would they would accomplish more. They'd get out and do more. So much the fear of failure stops people from doing what they could have done. You know, but if you just look at it as like a lesson, or mm-hmm. you know, now you know what you could do different, or or just it doesn't even matter. Yeah. That's cool. Well, there are, you know, people who are very naturally gifted in freediving. I see people progress really deep, mm-hmm. uh, really fast. And uh, to me, I feel a little bit bad for these people because they don't have these many failures that they've had to go through. And so as soon as they do hit an issue, they get demoralized by it. And sure. They uh, they start rethinking themselves, and sometimes I see it, people end up quitting freediving because they never think they can progress deeper. Yeah, you're like, dude, I had like 50 breaks <laughs> before I ever got to that point, exactly. but they didn't have any, so they don't know how to deal with it. So uh, my favorite freedivers are the ones who uh, constantly have, have struggles because uh, they constantly am rebuilding their dives and relearning and stuff like this, and... Uh, they really master to me that's what it takes to master the art of freediving yeah. i do call it an art to me it's more of an art than a sport but yeah. that's cool and it's like you said if, if every depth barrier is you're breaking a personal barrier mm-hmm. then the person that just got deep quick they didn't have to go through all those personal barriers they're not finding yeah. out what they're made of you know well I mean, that could go both ways, as some people are maybe further along 
in their mindset than sure. other people. I think when I started freediving, I was really weak. I was in a really bad relationship, and uh, uh, it just was very uh, negative environment for me. And actually, once I closed this environment from my life, you know, I broke up with this, uh, you know, out of this relationship, broke up with this girl. I just like my body released so much tension and hmm. uh, this helped me to actually progress in my depth. So uh, sometimes you need to change your life, sometimes you need to change certain things, but some people don't have these limitations that other people may have, yeah. so they may progress a lot faster than other people. But uh, just because you run into an issue, that shouldn't stop your... Dude, that is so interesting to think of how our personal life and the things going on with our emotions and our minds and our hearts or whatever will affect like the physiology of like holding our breath and swimming deeper. But it's so crazy how we're so, we're so interconnected. Our minds and our bodies are tied together way more. Like I've never thought about that concept, the way you're describing it, but it it makes so much sense, even though it's, it's not something I think about every day, you know? Yeah, I believe uh, freediving is sort of like 80% mental, 20% physical. Yeah. I could be in probably better physical shape. Like, I'm pretty good physical shape. I work out my legs a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a very mental part. Uh, I still haven't got to the point where I'm physically not able to do a, a, a deep dive, actually. The only thing that is limiting me in my depth is equalization. So, and to me, that equalization is sort of the mindset, I I think, is uh, because maybe I'm tensing up in a certain part of my dive because I haven't fully accepted uh, the depth that I'm diving. So, uh, and once you tense up, you know, my lungs are being compressed Mm. very quickly, very fast, you know, uh, a lot. So, if you hold any tension, it... uh, sort of creates a vacuum in your lungs and uh, we try and hold air inside our mouth so that we can equalize beyond residual volume so the more tension you hold the more that vacuum is just going to suck the air back into your lungs from your mouth and you're going to lose your equalization so uh, this happens to me right around 90 meters uh, last year Uh, hopefully I'm fixing that this year uh, I just don't think I was accepting the depth that I was diving to 100%. There was still something that I was holding back. So as I should really have the equalization to dive 120 meter plus. So I've yeah. done the math and everything like that. Like, so, I should be able to do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just there's something in me that's holding myself back. So. It's funny. We talk about there's this thing I call like a personal thermostat. You know, it's like, you you set these limits on yourself like oh i can't be happier than this or i can't make more money than this or i can't have more fun than this or whatever the thing is if we've never broken that barrier we kind of hold ourselves back yeah. even though there's nothing that should hold us back from doing that but if we've grown up in a world where it's not okay to do that for whatever social condition we've received then we stop ourselves but like you said it's literally just mental if we can break that barrier yeah. and figure out how to do that it's it's so interesting how it that's what you're describing with literally physically diving to those depths 
when a lot of times it's so many other things in our lives that we just stop ourselves for no reason. It's not only that. It's not only you have to be a deep diver to realize these type of things. I, I teach this in my level one course. Uh, you know, just doing static apnea, on the first day of my course, I get people... Uh, who have never freed before. Some people, they've been spearfishing for a long time, but they have a hard time holding their breath. And they come in my course maybe with a minute breath hold or something. This is why I love teaching freediving. And by the end of my course, on the first day of my course, I get them holding their breath three, four minutes really, or something. from one minute to that. Yeah, and so it just, you see, I, I love it. I get to see people... Pretty much, you know, every time I teach my course, you just, there's a light bulb that goes off in my head. Like, wow, I just like held my breath for double the, double or triple the amount of time that I could before, and I did that in one day. Nothing changed physically in my body. It's just my mind and my body, you know, that's actually what I'm really capable of. What else am I really capable of? Yeah. So it, it makes them start thinking, and it's like, wow, that's just... Just shattering limits for them. They're like, whoa. A beginner course. <laughs> like, it's cool. I can see the passion you have when you describe that. You, like, really have a joy being able to, like, yeah. help people, you know, break those barriers in their own minds. It's because I was once in their shoes I, yeah. I remember when i have a hard time holding my breath or getting certain depth we've all been there we were all beginner divers at one time and it's just you know uh once you see someone actually accept what's going on with their body and realize that their body is much more capable of doing things that they would never even imagine themselves doing then it's just like oh what other things can I do you know it just sets off a, a really positive vibe vibe to progress in their lives anything that's cool else, yeah. I really I agree man I think one of the most amazing things in our lives is when we do something we thought was impossible like say it just changes your mind shift mm -hmm. and it's an amazing thing to be able to realize that you can do things you couldn't do right like I love to say when you can do something you can't do sounds like weird but when you finally do something you can't do the whole world shifts, you know, and then it, it changes your perspective on everything. And it's cool because it can be as from holding your breath and then that could change. You Like, say, you could go back and have a better relationship and go back and do better at your job or whatever because you realize that those limiting factors don't have to limit you anymore. Right. That's really cool, man. So you... You've set the U.S. national record a couple times. Um, I have six of them. Six of them. Yeah. Okay. So. That's awesome. So you just keep breaking your own record, or are they in different disciplines? I have them in different disciplines. So okay. I have a constant weight bifins national record, so that's with the two fins. Uh -huh. I, have a, I currently hold the U.S. national record for free emergent, so that's pulling down the line, pulling back up the line at 101 meters. When you say pulling down the line, you mean like you're physically using the, the line? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Okay, so not just, just like, swimming. Yeah. So uh, just like uh, you know, climbing a rope or something okay. like that. And uh, that's actually tied with the Pan American record. So uh, Pan oh, wow. American is all of the Americas. 
So 101 meters, Carlos Costa, I share the record with him uh, for the Pan American, which Carlos Costa is this legendary freediver wow. uh, that I've looked up to for uh, many years. Well, that's nice <laughs> so, of you to share the record with him. Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe he shares the record with me. Uh, so, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I have uh, the U.S., actually the Contal, North American Continental Record of uh, constant weight, 108 meters. So, and yeah, I, I set a record at 105 and then 108, and I have, yeah, I don't know, I have some other record I can't remember. Lots of records. <laughs> you have fun so, with it, dude. Yeah. So, what do you have, are there any other competitions coming up or any goals that you're like aspiring to break? Yeah, so this year, I, or this past year, I uh, qualified. I actually placed seventh in two different disciplines in the world. Oh, wow. So ADA, uh, ADA is like a governing body of competitive freediving. They actually keep track of our, our records and our dives that we set for the year. So I placed seventh in free immersion with that 101-meter dive. And then... Uh, in the world. In the world, Wow, yeah. that's cool. And then I placed seventh um, my, for a 105-meter dive constant weight for IDA. So there's two governing bodies of competitive freediving. There's CMOS and IDA. Gotcha. So you can set different records in different mm -hmm. organizations. I guess this is where I add my six together. So even though my deepest CMOS dive is 108 meters, my deepest IDA record is 105 meters. So, but that's still, I placed seventh in the world for constant weight and free immersion both. I, I don't know how that ended up like that, but. That's cool. Yeah, so only the top 10 divers are invited to go to Vertical Blue, which is the biggest competition of the year. So uh, that'll be my next competition. You qualified because you were yeah. number seven. I qualified. So nice. it was really cool to get this invite recently. Yeah. Uh, we just got it a, a few weeks ago. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. I paid my deposit for the competition. So uh, unlike other sports, you know, free divers, it's a very small sport still. So yeah. we are basically paying our way. You're not getting paid millions of dollars to go do it? No, we do have a few sponsors that pay our gear. We have Double uh, uh, K Freediving, which is uh, this amazing freediving company out of Korea. Uh -huh. They make all the equipment that I use, uh, hmm. almost all the equipment. Uh, we have Chetma. They make my bifins. Uh, Chetma makes awesome carbon fiber fins. And uh, we have X Dubai. It's a media marketing company uh, from Dubai. Uh, we have Sunto Watches and uh, then Freediving Instructors International. So, so they uh, provide a lot of the gear and stuff for you. Yeah, gear. We do, uh, you know, some of these companies do help us with uh, the competition fees and stuff like that as well. So, um, But you're heading out yeah. to it. So when is that? When is that competition? Um, so that competition starts ju uh, June 24th and goes to July 4th. So it's like a, a pretty long competition. Okay. And uh, I think we leave uh, to the Bahamas around you know beginning of June. So... Uh, you need to adapt to different conditions. I'm so used to diving in Hawaii where it's nice, bright blue all the time. Yeah. And now I'm going to the Bahamas where I'm diving in a really dark hole. 
Yeah. Basically, so I need some time to adapt to the different conditions. Now, this is back at the same place where you set the U.S. national Yeah, records. so I'm really... Well, I... That was my first record. Yeah. So I'm setting my records sort of in different competitions around the world. Like I set a few records in Turkey, Kosh Turkey. Oh, cool. I went that in Rotan, Honduras. I've been there a lot. Set a few records there. So, uh, but yeah, my first record was set at Vertical Blue. So I'm really excited to go back there. Yeah. Where I first set my record in try and dive much deeper so really excited this year i had a long break um i broke a rib (laughs) after my competition diving or how do you break a rib no actually uh so um i needed something other to do uh i needed some more cross training i was uh, sort of getting burnt out in free diving um, just because I really haven't had a break in the last 10 years. I've wow. been consistently teaching and com- competing. Or uh, actually, I was a commercial spear fisherman while I was teaching free diving courses wow. in the beginning, trying to make a living. So uh, I really haven't had a break for 10 years. This is my longest break. I had a two-month break where I didn't really dive very much wow. uh, because I broke a rib, and then I got pneumonia. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I've been, like, sick. What a fun break. <laughs> yeah, so, but it really gave me an opportunity to finally recover. Uh Kristen, she got into ice skating. Okay. So, and uh, Martin Stepanek, the owner of FI, he, one of the sports that he was doing for cross training was rollerblading. So I'm like, ice skating is the same thing. Yeah. He's a deeper diver than me. I must like, okay. do something, right? So I, I'm like, okay, so let's uh, get into skating. So I've been skating a lot with Kristen, and it's uh, been really fun. And yeah, I got a nice break. So now I'm like getting back into training. So we started training a couple weeks ago. I'm like, my motivation is much higher than it has been for the last few years. So that's cool. I'm uh, really excited to see where this year is going. Do you feel like you'll be in peak condition come uh, competition? Hopefully, yeah. uh, Hopefully, I schedule my training properly um, as I'm quite technical about my training. Um, But. yeah, most of my training, I do a lot of exhale dives because in on Big Island, we only have max 80 meters, which is ex- accessible from shore, and it's easy to get to and stuff, so I have to basically simulate uh, 110, 120 meters worth of depth in 80 meters. Hmm. So I uh, maybe do dives on slight exhale dives. Uh, this is stuff that I teach during my level two and level three courses, but uh, this allows me to sort of prepare my body for these deeper the pressures deep and get get ready for that. That's I cool. would love to make the deep dives, but uh, yeah, it's sort of hard here in Hawaii. Makes it tricky. Well, sweet man. Well, this has been a treat to crawl into your brain and dive in deep into uh what makes you tick what uh what advice would you give to people that are interested in free diving or just the lessons that a life of you know 10 years of free diving has given you like what what lessons do you think you could share with from that it to me it takes a certain certain type of person to be a competitive freediver. Um, competitive freediving is not for everyone. Yeah. Um, you have to have p- passion. Uh, you have to love freediving with 
every part of your body. So um, sometimes, you know, people have other goals in life or, you know, other things they want to do, but they still want to experience the water in a very natural way. So, yeah, if you want to get in freediving, sign up for the nearest course that you can find and don't wait. Just start getting into it. The, the faster you take a course and uh, start learning from someone who's a professional and stuff, I do recommend to seek out the most professional freediver in your area. And uh, the more you're just going to grow your love for freediving. Uh, that's really what I, what happened to me is once I took my courses from Martin, yeah. you know, was world record holder freediver, I just, that's all I wanted to do. So it just changed my life. Um, so you just, yeah, get into it. Don't wait. I mean, you just never know what you're going to ex see in the water and it could be life changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. For instance, one of my best dives of my life was not diving deep I uh, got a chance to go on uh, uh, one of my friends he owns this uh, ex-navy seal boat on Big Island it's oh, called cool. uh, Wild Hawaiian Ocean Adventures so the owner of the company is a uh, ex-world record holder freediver his name is Brett Lemaster he is one of the first people to break one of Umberto Pelizzari's record, which Umberto was this amazing freediver. Uh, he still is to this day, and uh, he was setting many worlds, world records, and he was a legend back then, and Brett broke one of his wow. records. So uh, this was a big thing, and he uh, retired. Well, he didn't retire, but he... Uh, you know, developed this business where he bought this Navy SEAL boat and he takes people to go out and explore the ocean. He wants freedivers because, you know, he's a freediver and he yeah. wants people to get in the water and experience these, this marine life, this, you know, whales, seals, dolphins, a big marine life in a very natural way. That'd be so, so cool. um, uh, we got a chance to go out with Brett and he dropped us on uh, some sperm whales. Really? And it was pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know if you can say uh, uh, how many people have had sperm whale shit on them. <laughs> or, uh, you know. I'm not a lot of people. I, I, I feel very blessed when uh, <laughs> the sperm whale shit on me. You know, there's this group of seven different sperm whales, one just shit on them. I just felt blessed. I don't know why. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're the deepest whale, so uh, it's just like, I don't know. Uh, Little, so was, you're just right behind it, and then... Yeah, I'm filming with my uh, video camera and everything. We got lucky to find them. They were just going past, and they, you know, we ran into them, basically. And, uh, yeah, we got really lucky to find these sperm whales, and, yeah, they just were passing me by. I was swimming through their shit, and I was <laughs> filming at the same time, and it was just... Like, these are the deepest, you know, whales on the planet. So it's just really cool to uh, be a part of them. It felt like I was accepted in their little group of seven other sperm whales. I don't think there's a lot of people that'd be excited about swimming through somebody else's crap. It, it but was awesome. Dude, when you're swimming with sperm whales, I think I'd take anything to have that yeah. experience. That I was sounds so cool. Arms reach distance from them. That's how close really? I was to that them. Close. It was just you just amazing. swimming right along swimming with them. Swimming right along. I felt like I so was So there's like seven of them? 
Yeah. Wow. So uh, that must have been quite an experience. They accepted me as a deep diver. <laughs> there you go. You're one of the deep divers so, with the sperm whales. Yeah, that was definitely a life-changing uh, event there. So uh, I, I will never forget that experience. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really cool experience. Thanks for sharing. You know, some of your insights, your story, and I love seeing people find a passion that can change their life that they can pour themselves into that can make them better you mm -hmm. know and i've talked to people that have done tons of different disciplines and it, it's cool because it doesn't matter what the discipline is but if you can find a way to pour your heart into it and let it change yeah. you then it can make every aspect of your life better and it's cool hearing you describe that in such you know awesome detail absolutely That's thank you man. so much yeah thank so i had you. a great time talking to you Okay, guys, if you're looking to change the world and make the world a better place, there's two charities I love that are doing it. Check them out. CharityVision.net. You can literally give sight to the blind for 25 bucks. It's amazing. It's legit. Check it out. Next one, Operation Underground Railroad. OURrescue.org. They are fighting human trafficking. There's more slavery today than there's ever been on the face of the planet, and we can make a difference. Look into it. You won't regret it.